Hello everyone, welcome back to the show. In this episode, my guest is Tony Jasinski. He's a logistics business expert, veteran of business with decades worth of experience, and my uncle. Expect to learn how college can actually help you in business, why you don't need to read to succeed, and how to create balance between life and business, and much more. This episode is very special to me because it is a 10th episode of To The Top, which may not be a huge milestone, but it is one nonetheless. And also the first time I brought a guest for a podcast. Tony is my uncle, and although I first met him when I was about five, uh, only now we are starting to connect through business, and I thought he would be the perfect guest for the show. Before we start, however, <laughs> I want to tell you about my newsletter. Would you mind getting a short email from me every Wednesday that is packed with goodies, value, and a bunch of cool stuff I recently learned? Easy to sign up, easy to cancel, and absolutely free, with a bonus of only five minutes of reading time. So, if you like to receive value for free, go to tothetop.how slash newsletter. Again, that's tothetop.how slash newsletter. But now, let's get started with the podcast. So, Tony, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Lisa? Well, I'm also good. Are you now in Canada or somewhere else? Well, I'm in Canada today, actually. At home, living in the forest, as you can see with the yes, I see. background. Great. Um, I've heard you've been traveling these past weeks. Where have you been? Yes, I was in Poland a few weeks ago. Uh, and since I've come back, I've been doing a little bit of travel between Toronto and Montreal and Ottawa here in Canada. Okay, and what were you doing in those places? In the business? All business meetings. All, <laughs> All business, business meetings. meetings. What else is there in life? Okay, regarding your company or any other stuff? Yeah, it's, uh, it's regarding the work that I do as a consultant for several different companies. Okay, and regarding your, your, uh, your work, what are you currently working on as a consultant? Well, right now I, I'm, I'm focused on uh, a couple areas. Uh, number one is last mile delivery solutions, and that involves everything with, uh, you know, uh, vehicles, electrification, route optimization, all the things that are tied into last mile. And the other part of my consulting business that I do right now is fleet electrification. And as, as you are quite well aware, the world is very much going in that direction. And it's something that I've never really been a part of. And uh, since I've taken it on, I found it quite interesting. Okay. And could you explain to the audience like what your business is actually doing on a daily basis? So for the last mile delivery and the fleet electrification, what I do is help businesses expand. And by expand, I mean clients, customers. Um, I'm what they call a hunter. And, and what I do is find, uh, find clients that are interested in providing or in acquiring the services for the companies that have hired me. And I think that's the most important part in any business because without customers, we don't have a business. So that's what I do. I source customers and I connect. I open the doors for companies. Okay. The big game customers, I understand. Oh, uh, yeah. Obviously, the, uh, the bigger, the better because, uh, you know, you get a lot of traction when a large company embraces your product, your service, your technology, and you quite quickly ramp up the uh, sales revenue of any company that you're working for. Okay. And you're doing the, this all B2B, not B2C, right? 
Yes, it's all B2B, correct. Okay, cool. So, um, we know what you do right now, so maybe let's get back to your origin story. <laughs> so, uh, I saw on your LinkedIn that you studied business, in, uh, business administration. Um, did you have this entrepreneurial spark from the start, from the very beginning? And in your opinion, did college prepare you for the business world? Absolutely. Uh, college played a, a pivotal role, both college and high school. You know, the schools that I attended, they played a quite important role in, in developing that uh, entrepreneurial spirit. Okay. And how did they do that? Well, it gave me the opportunity to more formulate my ideas in, in, in a manner that made sense because, you know, I'm a person that kind of is all over the board. Um, I'm, I'm thinking 20 different things. I'm multitasking. College uh, sort of forces you to, to structureize yourself. In other words, you know, you have to go through it, follow a certain format. And it, it helps you to take all of these crazy ideas and bring them down and focus and, and work with that focus in terms of being able to do something constructive. And not only the fact that you're doing something constructive, but it gives you the opportunity to work with people that are in the same level class, either above or below as you. And it gives you the opportunity to, to mingle and create. You need that. This sort of networking on the campus. One hundred percent networking is it, it's going to be something that's going to follow you all your life. Without networking, it's going to be a tough call. So, do you think colleges are necessary to be successful? I I think that colleges uh, are very important to be successful. I mean, you hear stories about people, you know, finishing high school and getting a job and spending their whole life in that job and becoming vice presidents and presidents. So do they need college? No. Um, but, you know, those people are in the minority. I think the majority of our population should should consider some sort of college, some sort of collaborative effort where you can, you can grow your network. Okay. And are you familiar with this trend right now of just quitting college? And what is your opinion on that? Yes. Uh, you know, I've heard of that. Uh, it's, it wasn't as popular in my day, uh, but I understand now. And I can understand why. You know, there's, there's a cost. You know, some countries have a cost for attending college. I some countries offer it for free, right? So um, there is a cost part of it that's really critical and and i guess the other part too is that you know a lot of kids today with all the technology out there think that they can move ahead and and excel without college and you keep and you hear that often you know what am i going to get from college what am i going to get from attending these lectures and there's that mentality so it's a little bit different in this world than it was in mine okay <clears throat> so imagine just a hypothetical question um 22, 23 year old kid from the US just attending college because well, the society said so. Um, but he doesn't really know what to do. He has some sort of entrepreneurial spark. He 
maybe as a business idea but and he wants to quit he wants to go forward and risk but well his parents and all his peers just are telling him don't do that just go the easy way do what others are doing so what would you advise this sort of person well that's a tough one uh, <laughs> because you know you have the parents that are obviously calling the shots and if you're dependent on your parents you're dependent on your daily living um Tend to be hard to to not follow their direction, but I think it's it's really important to be honest with yourself and try to pursue what really gives you that passion in life. And that's a difficult mix because not every parent-student relationship offers that flexibility. But the best that I can say is, you know, just be truthful to yourself. Follow what what's in your heart, what you feel passionate about. Great. So how could young people that actually want to be in college leverage it for their, well, to their advantage to just not be stuck with all those just typical narr narrations that well, you finish college, you go to the end job and get a mortgage and live your life? <laughs> <laughs> you know, as we had mentioned earlier, college is is your first crack at networking, right? It's your first crack at diverse people, diverse cultures. And it should give you the ability, or you should at least build upon that, that structure of understanding that the world is different. People are different. And, you know, instead of going to college and just attending lectures and going home and hitting the books, embrace the people around you. Embrace the environment embrace everything that college gives both in the class and out the class outside of the class and use that to help you focus what your passion is where you want to go okay well as you said your college prepared you for the business world so what was your first business <laughs> my first business was uh you know, as a, as a young child, I was uh, oh. helping my grandfather sell fruits because he owned a fruit farm. Oh. And, you know, we would go to the market and, you know, out of the back of this truck, I'd be selling fruits. Uh, and it learned, it taught me about money, responsibility, dealing with people, I'm much, much older and smarter than I, but it sharpens you, right? So that's how I started first. And then from that, you know, once, once I, uh, got my driver's license and started fixing and selling cars. And and contrary to the business side of things, I actually had a polka band during my high school and university uh, years that paid for my college. Because back in those days, you know, polka bands were pretty popular and uh, anybody that was going to get married, you know, the parents always had a live band there. And believe it or not, the income that I generated playing every weekend, almost every weekend of the year, was enough to cover my my tuition and additional expenses. So I started very young, and I'm still doing it. Okay. And what is your first company? <laughs> you know, my first company was uh, my own warehousing uh, business. It was called Kit Services, UCAN Universal. And it was, it was a warehouse logistics company that provided a multitude of fulfillment services for different companies. 
Okay. And what was the idea behind it? What is this sort of business plan that you wanted to, to do to provide value to others? Well, you know, the first uh, 17 years of my life when I left college, I went into the you know workforce. And obviously, I was fortunate to get a government job. And I actually worked for the government of Canada, specifically Canada Post. And Canada Post is all about distribution. Uh, those days, it was letters. Today, it's parcels and packages and everything. In the 17 years that I spent there, I was in charge of procurement. And that was my job, was buying things the company needed and making sure they got delivered to the right places at the right time. So it was a natural progression okay. that when I left Canada Post, that I understood the whole logistics scene and the requirement to have products delivered in a timely fashion, hence my desire to open up the uh, logistics warehousing business. Okay. So this is sort of this, as I said, natural progression from working and actually learning the stuff you, you want to do and then doing it on your own. Exactly, exactly. Okay, and what were your biggest challenges in those in this business of warehousing and logistics? Well, you know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, getting customers. I mean, that's the most important thing is getting customers that will pay you, you know, a fair, a fair price for the services, but also differentiating yourself, making yourself important. Why why does why does anybody want to do business with you? What are you offering that's better, that's different, that's more cost effective? That was a challenge, was coming up, finding the right customers and being able to provide the decent services that they need. Okay. And what have you learned from getting those customers? What did I learn? Um, you know, the customers are, are very specific. They have requirements. You need to adapt to the world, to their requirements. They won't adapt to yours. You can't just say, here's my business, take it or leave it. It doesn't work. You have to learn to adapt. You have to be very receptive on what's going on. You have to understand what the current market trends are and what works and what doesn't work. Sort of tailoring your business to the needs of your clients. Exactly. Okay. And did you have any mentors along this journey, along your first business? Well, you know, my first mentor obviously was my grandfather, who, you know, at the tender age of, I think, 10 years old, talking all about money and selling and buying and selling. But uh, I guess, you know, following that, it was, it was the business that was actually a mentor for me. It was working at the large government corporation that was the mentor for me, that showed me what's good, what's bad, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. So was there any specific person following that? Not really. Okay. Well, right now there's, you're hearing a lot about just get a mentor, do what he says um, to you, just well, work for him for free, learn a lot. So would you say that having a mentor is great, but you can also do that mentoring yourself, sort of listening to a lot of people and to a lot of sources? Well, you know, working for free, I don't really buy that because uh, I think that's taking advantage of people. I, I believe that anybody that's providing a service should get some sort of compensation. Hence my immediate need to work for a company that was going to pay me for my services, but working at that company 
you'll learn things. I mean, you know, even before Canada Post, I was working at a grocery store delivering groceries, you know. Was it just get in and drive a truck and deliver groceries? No, it was, how can I make this business look better? What can I do to, you know, provide a service that the customer will like that will help the store improve? So you try to find ways to always better yourself, better the person that you're working for. And that, I think, is important. Is you always evolve. Yes. Um, do you know the story of Warren Buffett and Benjamin Graham? I've heard of it. <laughs> so what is your opinion on that regarding to what you just said about working for free? Well, <laughs> again, I, uh, Warren Buffett is a very, uh, very interesting individual. You know, I, 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 um, I have trouble understanding the person. I mean, I get it. He is what he is. He's, he's, he's great for what he's done. But I don't believe that he, he takes advantage of what he can provide society to the best. Uh, you know, with him, I think it's more, you know, earning the money, putting it aside, not spending it, not enjoying life. And to me, that kind of doesn't make sense. Okay, so you're rather one of those guys that want to, well, tie with zero. Have you ever heard about this concept, about this book? No. No, there's a concept. I don't really remember the guy that created it. It's He's a, some sort of millionaire that has this concept of to die with zero, to not hold your money, like, like this sort of you know, goblin <laughs> in the in the back behind and investing in and investing and not enjoying it and actually dying wealthy. But to spend it all, it's, well, it's targeted to people that actually have this money, but um, he just has to spend it on this thing, to go to charity, to buy that, just to spend it all because, well, you can't take your money to the grave. Yeah, I hate that concept. I really do. I think that, uh, and there are people obviously that do that, you know. But you need, you need, if you, if you're blessed with the ability to make millions, you know, you should also have the capacity, the brain capacity to at least, if you're not going to spend it on yourself, and I get maybe if that doesn't excite you, at least use that to help others, help the less fortunate, help people that you know could make a difference in this world but are limited because of the financial resources personally i think a balance between the both enjoying your life being able to do the things you've always wanted to do and at the same time if you have the capacity to help others i think that says a lot about you the fact that you're willing to share not only your resources but your knowledge your experience Yes, well, I also I agree with that. It's extremely valuable. And pivoting back to the business, how what you were doing at the beginning of your business career, the warehousing, evolved into what you're doing right now? Well, the warehousing and logistics was something that was born out of my experience with Canada Post. Canada Post, as you know, is a company that is in the business of delivering letters, parcels across Canada. And there are so many inefficiencies in today's world and how we deliver, receive goods, send goods. It just, it led me to the whole parcel locker concept, which is one of my businesses that I'm consulting for today. And in Poland, you can relate to that because I think Poland, mm -hmm. we call that locker land. I have never <laughs> seen so many parcel lockers in one country that I've seen in Poland. And when you look at Poland, the size of Ontario, and there's over 30,000 parcel lockers. 
there's a perfect example where efficiency and having creative distribution of pickup points makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well, in Poland, we have a lot of parcel lockers. And yes. actually, it, it is a brilliant idea. And I wonder, do you know any sort of reason why other countries are not so keen on implementing that? Well, the problem that you see, it, it, and it's not so much, it's not so bad in Europe, because Europe really gets it, Poland really gets it. You know, UK, France, Spain, are really starting to pick up on it. The problem on this side of the pond is that we are so vast and we don't have the limitations that you have in Europe. You know, we have a lot of space. We have shopping malls. People drive cars everywhere. They have houses. So the concept of the parcel locker wasn't, isn't as popular or wasn't as popular as it is in Europe because you're more condensed. And it just makes so much sense. But it is becoming a topic, a major topic of interest right now. And I think this part of the world is starting to embrace the fact that we need to be able to provide efficient ways of distributing and collecting. And you know, the biggest the biggest contributor to that is Amazon. I mean, ever since Amazon came on board, and the world has understood e-commerce and ordering online, you gotta have you got to have a collection and pickup points that just make a lot of sense. Yeah. They certainly <laughs> make your life a little easier than just waiting for the delivery. And I wonder about America because they have a huge problem with those par parcel poachers. So I think the parcel lockers would actually well, <laughs> prevent that from happening, at least in a, f in a few neighborhoods. Yeah, you know, America especially, and uh, porch piracy is a real big buzzword. And and I think it was in the billions, I don't recall how much, that the company has lost because, you know, people are following delivery companies and because of the online ordering, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's quite lucrative and productive if you're a thief to follow an Amazon driver, you know, and as soon as you leave, you just go to the house, pick up a package and just keep following them. I mean, people make a living out of that. So yes, parcel lockers uh, really definitely prohibit that. Yeah, have you, have you seen on YouTube? There's a guy that um, created some sort of trap for this. Uh, yes, <laughs> supporters, yes. The glitter bomb. <laughs> I love it. I I think that is great. Just too bad it's so expensive. But I mean, uh, yeah, uh, it's a great concept. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. Well, back to the business. Um, well, you've had a vast business career. So, well, what part of the business you've enjoyed the most and you're enjoying the most in general? I think, uh, you know, the ability, especially right now, where I'm, I'm an independent consultant and I have, and I create my own time, I, I do as much as I want to do or as little as I want to do. And I think in the business world, having that ability to provide a valuable service to your customers and to do it at your time, your pace, that's the best. And, you know, uh, the one good thing about COVID was that um, it forced me out of the uh, out of the city because I spent all my life in Toronto and I moved up to the cottage uh, during COVID times because it just made so much sense. And the world became learned how to work remotely. And as a result of that, I've made the cottage my permanent home, as you can see from the background. I'm living in a, uh, you know, on a lake, 
in the forest <laughs> on three acres of land. And I'm working remotely. Uh, and I still now that COVID is gone, I still travel. So I still get to see a lot of the world. You know, for me, uh, I enjoy driving. So whether I'm driving to Montreal or Ottawa or Toronto, it's terrific. I mean, I'm, I'm probably in the best place and the best time of my life right now. Well, that's great. <laughs> well, a lot of people dream about that kind of job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so well, during your career, um, how did you manage business and personal life? Um, good point. And I think that's, that's probably very, very important for anybody in the business world is finding that right balance. And I think what helped me was I didn't separate the two, I integrated them. So, you know, I shared my business life with my home life, with my wife, with the kids. So they understood what I was doing. And, you know, in particular cases where I had to travel and I did quite a bit, I would take my wife with me so that she would actually still be part of that life. You know, I would still do my meetings, but we would still be together for the evenings. And I think that's important is that Because I brought the business life into the first the home life, everybody around me understood, and there was a, an appreciation of what I did and an understanding for the absences that it caused. Well, a lot of people, well, many of those actually have this ability to, well, to connect both of these lives but there are also this bunch of people that cannot because well their spouses or companions they're not eager to do that they're not eager to well just join them on this venture so is there any advice you have for those people that just want to live a good personal life and have a good business life yeah well you know that's where you have to separate one from the other and you're absolutely right there are some that you know spouses that just do not appreciate that you work as you have to Uh, but when you come home, you do your job at work. And I get it. Um, and if that happens, then again, you know, you have to adapt. You can't force your business life, your personal, uh, on on a relationship that doesn't appreciate it or doesn't want it. So again, you know, you know who you've chosen. You know who your partner is. You know what the partner likes and doesn't like. It's, 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 it's working together. You can't just say, my way or the highway. You have to find a happy medium. Need to compromise on some things. Yes. For both. Okay. And regarding this balance, there is well, there are two camps of people right now in the sort of YouTube and social media business world. Um, one camp is telling you that, well, balance is healthy, balance is great, and you need to have your job, have your family, have your free time, and do everything in at once and a little bit of this and that. And there is this, uh, this other camp that tells you to go hard for a few months, just work your ass off, <laughs> do what is required and just hustle and hustle and grind. And then for the rest of the year, let's say you can party hard, you can spend your money and you can relax. This sort of going from the extreme to the extreme. And they wonder <laughs> well, which camp you're in. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't do extreme to extreme. I balance the both. Because when you're going to extremes, that sets the, you know, that sets you for failure, I believe, because um, 
extremes is you know you're pushing yourself and a human being so you push yourself so much so often before finally something breaks it's normal if you're going to drive your car at 180 miles per hour you can break that but if you keep it constantly driving the speeds and you're managing everything the way it'll last you a long time okay well great point about this balance because well right now in social media and well in the internet there is this right now some sort of movement the red pill movement of grinding and hustling and working your ass off because you just have this purpose you need to go and you need to go but at the end well you need to have this at least a little of this balance because well you need to enjoy your life a little well, what are you grinding for that's my question exactly uh, you know we have one life uh, and hopefully you know we can live to the best or to the length that we can and you have to make the most of it and going to extremes just that doesn't work yeah i saw on your linkedin and on your shirt right now um that you have a foundation to honor your son so could you tell us more about it Yeah, unfortunately, I uh, I had to uh, I lived one of the worst experiences that any parent can can have in life. I lost my son at the age of 17 um, to no fault of his own, but he was he was a real entrepreneur. He was he was running his own business when he turned 15. Um, wow! And and he loved the whole business world. And I don't know whether it was whether I had something to do with it or not, but, you know, I decided that instead of falling into a bottle and, and sort of giving up on the world, that I would at least help that legacy that he created. And I created a foundation, uh, the Thomas P. Jasinski Scholarship Foundation, which is the three initials on the shirt that I have, because what we do is we organize events and tournaments and we raise money and I support three high schools that he had a relationship with you know one that he had started with uh, at the beginning another high school that he attended and then the high school that's close to the cottage that we have and every year we award a scholarship of approximately two thousand dollars per student per high school um, and the purpose of that is is to find entrepreneurial students and there's a process Uh, that they have to go through to qualify, and then we pick the best of, of the group in each high school and award them with this uh, scholarship. Um, and it's students that are graduating from high school going on to university or college. And to date, you know, we've raised, uh, we've raised you know, over $80,000 in the fund, and, and every year we hand out these scholarships, and the goal is to keep the fun uh, in perpetuity as much as possible and to help students uh, actually help create and generate funds for this scholarship so that it can continue to help students in these three high schools. Okay. Well, that is very inspirational. <laughs> I just I can't imagine what it is to feel this tragedy. And are you comfortable with just saying how one could at least a little, cope with something like that? Uh, like I said, it's, uh, it's, it's very difficult, but I have a choice. I could give up or I could 
pursue and make sure that what he did will go on for as, as, as long as possible. And as I said before, you know, if you're, if you're blessed with the ability to succeed in life, you also have to give back. And this is my giving back to society, is by helping these kids that, uh, you know, wouldn't have this opportunity. And by also promoting entrepreneurship and business, because I think that's quite important. And if you have it, then let's help you get there. Oh, it's incredible. Just promoting, <coughs> oh, sorry, just promoting entrepreneurship in schools, because right now a lot of people are just, they're too comfortable in their warmth, yes. just doing just bare minimum. And there are those little, little glistering individuals that want to do more. They have this little spark. So it's incredible that you're helping these people. And do you know um, there was first successes of these little entrepreneurs? Um, I, I received messages from them. Um, and, you know, I've got everything from People that went on to get a law degree became commercial lawyers. People that have opened up a business, right? People that have joined companies and have taken on VP roles in, in their businesses. So, um, you know, the majority of them that have responded back uh, have been very successful. That's great to hear. Well, you're an expert on logistics and parcel lockers. So, um, what made you go in the, into this particular branch of business just before your first businesses and before everything? Well, <laughs> as I said, I think it's all because of Amazon. You know, ever since Amazon came into this world and the world started to get into online ordering, um, I saw the need, and there's still a need for efficient, effective, greener solutions of being able to distribute products you know, across the country, whatever country it is that we live in. So in my opinion, I think that parcel lockers play a very, very, very vital role, not only for parcels, but also for food delivery, for prescription delivery, for people being able to use it to, to buy and sell, you know, um, things and be able to put stuff into parcel lockers and have other people pick up from the parcel. There are so many advantages of having automated parcel lockers that it's it, there's no doubt it is the way of the future and it will continue to grow do you think that amazon is actually the let's say this prodigy of getting into the logistics and imp imp improving on that sorry then do you think that amazon is this sort mm -hmm. of prodigy on improving logistics and making things more available and improving everything right now oh amazon invented it i think that logistics before amazon was just tell it in tell it out and nobody really understood other than the postal postal operations amazon created the logistics world that we see today uh, and one of the things that made them successful was They listen to the people. What do the people want? Let's give them what they want. People wanted deliveries to happen soon, not in two, three, four weeks. The next day, in two days. Now it's in two hours. They created the logistics world for them. In the book uh, called Bezos Letters, just the letters to shareholders of Amazon, um, there's this point that there's a one question that 
Jeff Bezos asked his shareholders and his workers that how can we make the customer experience better? And this was the driving force of why Amazon became successful. So yeah, that is that. And Exactly. I mean, the guy's a genius. The guy's really. Because what drives the world, what drives the economy? People. And the more you make people happy, the better service you're going to get out of them. It's no different than your employees. If you have employees and your employees are happy and the company culture is great, you will succeed. If you're there just to monitor them and beat them up, you'll never make it. Bezos, Bezos called it right. What will make the experience much better for the person? And before the podcast, when we were talking, um, you agree that it is, if you want to succeed in business and make this sort of breakthrough, you need to make either, well, things happen faster or we can be more convenient to people. Yes, 100%. It's either the speed or the quality of the service that you're providing that will entice and will help you accept. Well, actually, it is well, how the world developed because previously we had to farm our own foods. Now we can go to the supermarket and it's yeah. <laughs> just progressing. And now the supermarket is coming to us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so well, we've cracked the code to evolution. And what is the advice you could give a younger guy who or girl that wants to start in this field of logistics? You know, build a strong network. I think that's important. Um, and you're going to fail. Everybody fails. There's no person in this world that succeeds from day one and continues to succeed. You know, I think that's important that you work on building that network, prioritize what's important in your life, Maintain your integrity. There's nothing worse than a cheap car salesman, used car salesman. You know, you've heard of that before, right? You want to be able to promote yourself, your product. You want to, you want to be honest. You want to be transparent with people. And I think that, you know, if you maintain a certain level of standard in your life, that will also help in the business world. It will help you excel whether you're working for yourself or you're working for somebody else. Be true. Be true to yourself. Be true to your customers. And embrace technology. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, this is an interesting paradox because when I was younger and I was hearing all these voices on the internet that businessmen are evil, they are just greedy, they want your money, they are just there to scam you. And I actually believed that for a little. But then when I just entered this business world and saw everything, everyone is talking to be true, to be to provide some value, to just make your customers better, their experience better. And I see the companies that are actually doing that, they succeed. And the opposite, the companies that are, that are greedy, they are just going extinct. So. Yeah, the whole, the whole HR of hiring people has completely changed. You know, where in my days, they would look at how many degrees you had, uh, how much school you went through, and that was the most important. Today, it's different. You know, they look at who you are, the questions are targeted in such a way, you know, that 
they're able to understand what kind of a person you are. And there's a whole process and there's a whole history behind that and, and procedure on asking the right questions to be able to find out what type of individual you have. It has changed dramatically. Yes. And regarding the topic of technology, AI revolution is happening as we speak. So how do you think AI will impact the logistics and delivery? AI is going to completely revolutionize. It's going to become logistics part two, because what AI will do, it'll give the ability for companies to be more efficient because there, there's going to be predictability. They're going to be able to determine how to better deliver based on traffic, based on customer wants, based on time of the year. That whole AI data is is going to be king. I mean, that's what Amazon is all about. It's the data. It's understanding what, when, where, why, how people react. And the more data you have, the better opportunity you have. To get all this data is one thing. To know what to do with it is a whole different ballgame. And AI can take that data and can manipulate that data to provide you what you need in order for it to succeed or move to the next level. AI is a huge farming factory of data that just gives you what you need and helps you excel. It's it's critical. Will it will it replace jobs? Absolutely. But the, the, the nature of the jobs are going to be different. We're still going to need human beings. We're still going to need to do things that AI and artificial and, and robots cannot do. So it's going to change the level of human interactivity in the world. That's what it will happen. So the AI will not take your job. It will change no. your job to be just more efficient. It's going efficient. to change your job. It's going to improve your job. It's going to improve your life. Exactly. But do you think self-driving trucks are possible in the near future? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I really believe in that. You know, there's enough experiments going on right now. There's enough companies doing it right now. Um, you know, so self-driving trucks with human beings in them, you know, maybe. But I mean, there are companies that are delivering product, which is a monotonous job, delivering it from factory to go to store or to warehouse that can be easily handled by a vehicle. Um, and not only trucks, not only vehicles, but I mean drones. Drones are also playing, coming into the scene quite, quite a bit. And, you know, they're efficient. They're not that expensive. And they're able to support, you know, where drones make a huge difference today is in remote communities where delivering products is expensive and maybe hard to get to. Drones support that. Self-driving vehicles are also great. I mean, you can have a self-driving, basically, parcel locker that can go across, you know, through neighborhoods and ping you. You come out to this robotic machine, punch in your code, scan in your code, door opens up to your parcel, and the machine goes down the road again. Why not? Because the safety protocols and the technology that's built into them today, you know, how many self-driving vehicles have you heard of causing accidents or deaths. No, I really haven't. I mean, there's the odd case here about a Tesla where a guy slept and let the Tesla car drive. 
But self-driving trucks, I have yet to hear of any incident that has caused any 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 death. Exactly. Well, the people in the in logistics industry have to fear AI. The, let's say truck drivers or some sort of coordinators. Well, you know, as a truck driver, you're always, you're always going to need trucks. I mean, you're never going to be able to completely eliminate it. I just think that, you know, because right now there is a huge demand for drivers and, and, and it drives the cost of everything up. But if we had a lot of these autonomous vehicles that could deliver at a much lower rate, you would think that at the end of the day that would help. And these guys that are forced into driving would look at other opportunities in the world that are going to require human interaction. How do you implement AI in your business right now? Well, AI is very new to me right now. I just really started to get into it. But in, in my particular case, it's important because AI will give me the knowledge to understand, for example, where's the best place to place lockers? Where do I get the, the biggest amount of activity? Where is the demand? How often does the demand change? Do I need to be able to figure out a different way of providing short-term, long-term solutions? AI, because it compiles that data and, it, and it, it's able to sort things out and say, okay, here's your highs, here's your lows, figure out a way to support it, right? So you didn't have that before. It was a gut instinct or it was, you know, whatever you thought. Now you have accurate data that is able to say, this is, this is what's going to happen. Based on what's gone and on in the past, this is what will happen. This is what you need to address. So is this some sort of most useful use of AI in logistics to analyze all the data and provide you with uh, better solutions and better analysis that you can... Well... Yeah, it, it does help because it also helps in route optimization. You know, if, if you look today in the world, you know, you, you look on your street, you'll see a, a FedEx driver drive by, then you'll see a UPS driver drive by, and then you'll see a DHL driver, and you say, why? Why in the, in the course of one day do I have two different companies driving by? Why can't we consolidate this? So AI will give you the ability to say, you know, here's what we need to do. We don't need three guys driving by. Uh, why not have one guy that does it in a timely fashion, route optimized to the best that is required for those things. And, and that's what AI is going to give. It's going to give people the ability to consolidate, work together, and find optimal solutions to be able to move product across the country. I just imagine the truck just driving around the city with drones on it, just taking the parcels and delivering it to people. <laughs> there you go. That's, and, and that's really happened, you know. In rural parts of the country, there are, you know, UPS and others are trying that. Amazon is trying that. Where exactly it. A truck will drive to a location, roof opens up, drones go out, deliver the product, and come back down. Why not? I can only dream about the situation when a drone delivers my pizza. <laughs> there you okay. go. Okay. 
Yeah, and what are the things that just regular people and beginner business owners don't even think about in regards to logistics and delivery? Sorry, say that again? Um, what are the things that regular people and beginner business owners don't even think about in regards to logistics and delivery? You know, the whole thing about logistics and delivery, it's something that people don't really focus on enough because it's never, never been a major part of any business, yet it's the most important part. And I think what people fail to understand and recognize is that person delivering that product is representing your company. He's representing you. And that's important. And I think that you want to make sure that the people that are doing those deliveries are the right people. You know, the last thing you want is the guy showing up the door uh, in torn clothes, cigarette butt hanging out, um, you know, not looking very professional, dropping something off. That will not create a good customer experience. People need to understand that, you know, the last smile is also the last smile. Okay? The guy smiles when he drops something off. It's going to make a big cool. difference. And if he just sits there and, you know, mugs or does profanity. So you're saying that you need to take care of your brand image to the last one? Yes, to, to the 100%. 100%. Brand image is most important because the world today, because of all the media, because of all the avenues, Twitter, Facebook, everything that's out there today, you can lose that so quickly. Where in the past, you know, nobody really cared because if they had a bad experience, so what? But a bad experience today can translate into thousands of uh, likes or dislikes on websites. And the world became more transparent because well anyone can just cry out their disappointment in, on Facebook page so well anyone yes. basically can destroy a brand in a moment oh 100 100 and in the reverse they can also build a brand right yes exactly and if you were appointed the great emperor of world's derivative system and logistics <laughs> <laughs> and everything in this field what would you change Oh, you know what? I um, I would try to embrace advanced technologies that are out there. And I think what's important is prioritize sustainability. That's pretty important today, you know, with the world the way it is and the, and the economy and global warming. And all that. I think that being able to take advantage of these technologies, AI and everything else, reduce the emissions, you know, and find ways to standardize across the globe. Because, you know, countries and, and, and provinces and, and continents are different. I think that's important that we all work towards one global sustainable solution do you understand you correctly is that the great things were are not created by doing a great thing but by doing a normal thing for an extraordinary amount of time something like that yeah i would say that uh, that's a good analogy that you know if you, if you can standardize that it makes a huge difference 
great. And in your opinion, is this field a little underappreciated? Um, yeah, because, you know, there's a cost associated to that. And I think people sometimes have a hard time rationalizing the cost versus the benefit. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an evil that we have to deal with because, you know, you have to get your products delivered. Yet, there are so many different delivery companies out there. And people tend to look at the cheapest, lowest cost and not look at the best because that as we have said can make or break the brand and and because there isn't enough emphasis on that last mile you know that really uh, is underappreciated and it should it should be the forefront there are a lot of <clears throat> sorry <laughs> last bits of my sickness there are a lot of those giant logistic firms like Amazon, like DHL or FedEx. So in your opinion, is there a possibility for some sort of underdog company to break through and get get to those giants? Well, you know, because of the volume that they have, no, no one company will ever conquer them. But I think that there are opportunities for lots of companies to excel. Because these big giants, aside from having their own workforce, they also employ uh, owner operators, right? And I think that owner operators, if you do a really good job, you can excel as an owner operator for these companies, plus also for yourself. There are hundreds on this side, companies, small guys that have started out and are doing extremely well because they're following a certain standard and they're giving the people what they want. So is there an opportunity? There is. Is there an opportunity to kill one of the big guys? Nah, unless you're one of the big guys yourself, that's going to be a tough job. But I mean, you know, never say never. Look what happened to Kodak. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, we reached the closing section of the podcast. So if you could give one piece of advice to young people around 18 to 25 that want to become better and get to the top in regards to I know, business, fitness or science, what would it be? Um, cultivate resilience. Your success is not linear. Okay. It's going to be about how well you adapt, how you grow from the challenges, and you will have challenges, right? And I think don't stop. Always be persistent. Be open-minded. Be curious. And most important, continuously learn. Just because you finished college, you finished, you got your degree, you got a job, it doesn't end there. The learning does not end there. Continue to educate yourself. Continue to understand what's going on around you. Great. Oh, thank you. And before the podcast, uh, we were talking about books, so forgive me for bringing that up, but you've made an interesting point that you don't actually read books. And I also see, well, my, my, I am my own example that I consume tons of business books, but, um, well, and then I am, I have some knowledge, but is this really that important to consume a lot of books? You know, I, uh, and, and I don't, I don't 
you know, society would say you should be ashamed of you don't read books. But, you know, one of the things, if I ever read books, and I have tried, it puts me to sleep right away. I don't know what it is about reading, but it puts me to sleep. I, I educate myself by other means. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's the news, it's articles, it's the internet, obviously. You know, that's a huge part of it. I'm always looking at what companies are doing, looking at new technology. So I'm, it's not that I'm not educating myself. I just don't do it through reading books. I do it mostly through live media streams is how I educate myself. So unfortunately, yeah, you know, my claim to fame is that I've never read a book from cover to cover, but somehow I've survived. And that's because I've never stopped learning. I just didn't learn from reading books. Exactly. So you can be great even without reading tons of books. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's important because well, I see that a lot, a lot of people are just consuming those books and they're actually not using this knowledge. And I, yes. from, in my opinion, it's actually a waste, a waste of your yes. time. Because you just entertain yourself, you thought you're productive, and then what? Correct. Okay, and what are the two questions people ought to ask themselves more often? You know, I think what's important is you have to ask yourself, what impact do you want to leave behind? You know, because we're all here on a certain amount of time. So what do you want to be known as? What do you want to... What do you want the world to remember you by? Is one thing, right? And the other thing is, you know, am I doing what I want, what I'm passionate about? Or am I doing this because my father and mother said that's what I need to be? And come hell or high water, I'm going to do it because they want me to do it. I think that's important that, you know, you should ask yourself those questions. Am I happy in doing what I want to do? And what are people going to remember me for? Well, that hits deep. <laughs> very philosophical, very philosophical that, well, people want to get advice, but actually I support this concept that we are our best coach. And if people ask themselves those questions, well, they wouldn't need a coach. They wouldn't need this all those advice on the internet. They'll just figure it out themselves. Yes. And what is your one favorite quote from a historical figure or a celebrity or anyone for that matter that you will remember forever? Well, you know, uh, one of the guys that I, and again, I don't do a lot of reading, so I'm going to, you know, but there are few people that have that have left a quote in the one that I recall is is by Nelson Mandela, and it was, you know, I think, if I'm not mistaken, his quote was, the greatest glory in living lies not in never failing, but in rising every time you fail. And, you know, that's been part of what I've been even talking about. You will fail. How you rise is important. And... No, Nelson coined it in that phrase. There's one, <clears throat> one from Churchill that I actually adore the most. I think it's, if you're going through hell, keep going. You know what? <laughs> That's, that is a very important one. Uh, and, and, and I remember that because I use that phrase 
when I'm at the graduation ceremonies, offering, uh, you know, giving out the, the, the scholarships. That's exactly the line that I quote, and I probably should have used that one. But, you know, and that's what I give. That's my advice that I give to students. Right. Tony Asinski, ladies and gentlemen. Tony, where should people go if they want to, well, know more about you and find out what you do? You know, the best part is LinkedIn, because in my opinion, LinkedIn for the business community is the Facebook of the world. And, you know, you can follow me on LinkedIn, and it's just, you know, LinkedIn uh, forward slash Tony Jasinski. And that's where I am. And, you know, if you want to connect with me, I'm, I'm quite open. I have uh, a following of just north of 15,000 followers right now on LinkedIn. So I'm always open and receptive to connecting with interesting people. Thank you for coming to the podcast. Thank you. Um, wow, <laughs> what a talk. I was kind of nervous, actually, but I learned a lot talking to Tony, and I start to think about different perspectives now, and I hope you do too. So, ladies and gents, that would be it for this episode. I hope I provided some value to you, and if so, please share this podcast with everyone that would benefit from it. And remember that on Spotify and Apple and Google, you can leave us up to a five-star review. This helps the show tremendously and doesn't cost you anything. Please also remember to subscribe so you don't miss any episode. Every Wednesday, listen to on Spotify, Apple, or Google. So, I will leave you now. I wish you an incredible rest of the week. Remember to surpass your limits and that winners are made in the darkest of times. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.